Hello! Welcome to episode three of Crime and Spirits. We are your hosts. I'm Bree. I'm Suze. We're just a couple of gal pals who bonded over our love of true crime and delicious alcohol. And naturally, we decided to make a podcast about it. So, each episode we're going to tell you about a different case while we are enjoying whatever alcoholic beverage that Suze, our resident bartender, comes up with that week. And in the beginning of the episode, Suze will also teach you how to make the same drink so you can enjoy one right along with us. So we'll be releasing new episodes every Sunday, but you will know what you'll want to stock your bar with by Friday. That way you can hit the liquor store on the way home. If you like what you're about to hear, please consider subscribing to our podcast. Maybe leave us a review or come hang out with us on any social media because we are on all of them. Um, We'll make sure to have everything linked up for you, so don't worry about that. Today, we're going to be talking about Italy's first known serial killer, a woman by the name of Leonardo Cianciulli. <laughs> Cianciulli. Cianciulli. This spelling's pretty hard. I'm not Italian, nor do I speak Italian, but we're going to try our hardest. My Italian ancestors are going to come for me by the end of yes, this episode. But you know what? So. That's okay. <laughs> We'll get there. Um, what makes this so interesting isn't necessarily the fact that she killed three people or even the the reasons behind it, but what she did with their bodies. Yeah. Um, this woman decided to make soap out of her victims. Ugh. Hence, our wonderful nickname for her, Soap Lady, is what we've been calling her because, as you can tell, pronunciation is not our strong point. I never thought I'd write an email that was like, subject line. So please. So, and yet, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, so since we're, quote unquote, visiting Italy tonight, I'm going to make a drink with limoncello. Um, it's an Italian liqueur. It's lemon flavored. It's delicious by itself. If you just want to drink the whole bottle, no judgments from me. But what we're going to be <laughs> making is a martini. Um, it's the... Yeah, I I got a fancy name for it, but it's escaping (laughs) me right now. No worries. (laughs) Anyways, what you need is your limoncello, uh, Chambord, which is a raspberry liqueur. They do make generic versions if you don't want to be fancy. Again, no judgments here. And your basic sweet and sour mix, you can buy that in the mixers aisle at any grocery store or Walmart. Um, To start, you grab your trusty shaker, fill it up with ice. Add one and a half ounces of the limoncello, because that, in my opinion, is the best part. (laughs) Add a half an ounce of the Chambord and two ounces of the sweet and sour mix. And all you have to do, shake it up, make it nice and chilly, um, and then go ahead and strain it into a chilled martini glass. If you want to put it in a rocks glass, feel free. If you don't have either of those things, a red Solo cup works. We're not judging you here. Um, And then if you'd like, you can garnish it with a little twist of lemon to make it nice and fresh. Tastes like a sweet tart. All right, let's give these guys a try. Mmm, I approve. That's so good. Yes. Now, sometimes Suze and I will workshop these drinks a little bit. She'll come up with an idea and we'll give them a try beforehand. But I didn't get to try this one first. And this is probably my favorite that we've done so far. Yes. This and is so good. And it's easy. I feel yeah. like anybody could make that at home on a Friday night or Sunday night, whatever. Yeah. Especially because the martini glass is not required, but if you want to feel like James Bond for the night, by all means, you shake it up. Fancy. All right. So our story begins in Montella, Italy, where Leonardo was born on April 18th, 1893. So we're going way back for this one. So far back. 
Unfortunately, she wasn't born into the best of circumstances. She wasn't even given a real shot, considering her conception was a result of her mother's rape. And then her mother was actually forced into marrying said rapist. So this poor woman just got born into, like, the shittiest of situations. Really, honestly. So on top of that, her family was pretty poor. They did not live in a very good area. Um, Her terrible father died while she was quite young, which might not have been the worst thing. So yay for that. But her mother remarried, and this did not improve things at home. So her mother was quite emotionally abusive towards Leonardo, and this drove her to attempt suicide on two separate occasions, which is just heartbreaking. That's sad. Poor girl. I know a thing or two about rough home life situations, and I can definitely empathize with her on that one. So, considering her early life, it's not really much of a surprise that when Leonardo reaches her early 20s, um, I found conflicting dates regarding this. Um, Sue's found some sites that said 1914. I found a couple that said 1917. That takes her to, like, 22 to 23. I feel like back then a lot of records were just kept on paper in a drawer somewhere, so chances are it's either illegible or, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Could be either or. Either way, the age range, it's her early 20s, so, you know, those are of us who have been there not the best decision making time of your life not at all <laughs> you're not really thinking clearly and this poor girl came from a really traumatic home so she decides to marry a registry clerk and she moves to his hometown her family was not okay with this because of course not <laughs> well no they're the worst and they had already lined up a suitor for her this guy was supposed to be was supposedly wealthy and her parents reacted very poorly to the news that he was not going to be the one that she married. I think it's worth mentioning that the clerk that she married was quite older than she was and considering her emotional state, she was pretty much damned no matter what path she chose. I mean, to me, I think there was like a 15 age difference from what I saw. 15 years, yeah. Itch around there, yeah. I mean, that kind of just screams... Daddy issues? (laughs) To me, it seems like a desperate woman wanted out of a desperate situation and she took... The first available chance. I agree. And just ran. Just ran with it, quite literally. And I don't really blame her, because her parents sound awful. So either way, no matter what happened, her mom was pissed. And Leonardo would spend the rest of her natural life telling anyone who would listen that her mother cursed her and her husband on this day. And if her reaction is anything to go off of, she probably did. Leonardo believed this to be truth. She was a very superstitious blah, 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 superstitious woman by nature. You want to know something funny? When I was writing this, I kept wanting to put suspicious. Like, I kept typing suspicious, <laughs> and then I kept just going, don't be suspicious, don't be, don't suspicious. be suspicious. And it was just oh, a loop yes. when I was writing this script. Like <laughs> To be fair, that's one of my favorite gifts in existence. I mean, the best show ever, but that's besides the point. Um, so th- she was a very superstitious woman. And so she 100% believed the words that came out of her mouth. I imagine it to be very, like, Sophia throwing a curse at her neighbor, flattening his tire situation. Yep. I could see that. (laughs) That's just what I picture anytime I think of, like, an Italian woman putting curses on people. So the fact that Leonardo experienced a life filled with a lot of misery and pain probably just solidified that belief for her. Oh, for sure. Things were not great. And, like, she needs more misery. 
She and her husband immediately had financial problems. They started having children right away, and a registry clerk's salary, even back then, was not very much, and it certainly wouldn't support a growing family. So Leonardo tried her best to help, got a job. That didn't last too long because, as it turns out, <laughs> she was frauding them and may have been stealing some money. So that was 1927. She spent a few years after that in prison. I really wish I could have found what she went, like, what was she frauding? Again, I'm sure the records are either, like, tossed into the ocean because... In case you haven't realized, this is bringing us up to all the unrest in Europe. You know what I mean? There was World War One just ended, and we're headed towards the next one. So, right, I'd like to think that um, she thought she was doing the right thing, but again, fraud and fraud is fraud. Right. So that's breaking the law. You're going about it the wrong way, which seems to be a pattern in her life. <laughs> Um, after her release from jail, she, they moved the family to Lacedonia. Excuse me if that's wrong. Lacedonia, Lacedonia. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, you know, they're trying to start over with a clean slate, get everything right. But because they're cursed or maybe fate <laughs> or just weird hap happenstance, um, in 1930, their home was completely destroyed during an earthquake. So, obviously, their financial situation's dire at this point, but, yet again, they had to pick up and relocate. This time, they ended up in, yeah, Correggio? Correggio. That sounds right. That's how I said it when I was writing this. That sounds right, with some <laughs> flair. And it was here that the family finally, finally, began to gain some kind of stability. Um, Leonardo opens a small soap shop. It was pretty popular. Um, as I remember in my research, I feel like she sold clothes and like other stuff too. But the yeah. main attraction were her homemade soaps. Well, and she made she made cakes mm -hmm. as well. Oh, like yeah. She made treats and things. It kind of gave me like old world general store vibes, but was like a focus on self care items. I could like see she that. would do great today with all of the like artisan soaps. And stuff. Maybe without the people in the soap, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it seemed like it worked out well for her. <laughs> um. So, despite what's coming in the future, she, at this point, begins to gain a reputation as a well-respected community member, which, you know, is a real nice change of pace, considering what they'd already been through. Um, and here's a big kicker. Over the years, Leonardo was pregnant 17 times. Ugh. One seven. One seven. That's, nope. That's and too many. out of those... She experiences three miscarriages and ten of her children's deaths. So let's do the math, children. There are four living children that survive. And, I mean, honestly, it's probably through no fault of her own. Oh, it's yeah. It's just medicine and all the things that we have now that we take for granted weren't a thing back well, then. And even now, like, the infant mortality rate isn't great, you know? Like, I feel like there's way more of that happening than should be. For how, oh, for sure. quote unquote, advanced we are. Right. But, like, I feel like you were just on your own back then, and you just gave birth wherever you were. I don't know. This is probably a very uneducated I'm pretty sure way of it looking was, at it. Your birth was, I believe, births were done in the home. Yeah. I mean, up until, uh, when did hospitals become a thing? I, I, this is something <laughs> we're going to have to look into. I have no idea. I didn't go to school to learn about hospitals. Yeah, me either. <laughs> um, but because all of these children were lost to her, 
The four that were left, she was crazy protective of, which... I could imagine that. I mean, like, I personally don't want to have children, but I joke with Mark all the time. I'm like, if we did have kids, you'd be such a helicopter dad. Mm -hmm. Like, he would just be... He follows the cats around, like, do you need a brushie? Do you need a treat? Like, (laughs) how would he be with human children? And, I, I mean, I get it, especially because... Not only did she have the miscarriages, but 10 children died before they made it to, like, adulthood. You I can't know, even so. imagine the pain and, like, straight-up torture that she had to go through on a daily basis. Well, and this brings us back around to her superstitious nature, because she, obviously she believed in all things spiritual and mystical. So, of course, she had a few run-ins with fortune tellers and the like. She allegedly was one herself. Years earlier, like way before she got married, she had an experience with a fortune teller outlining that while she would get married and have children, they would all die young. Dun, dun, dun. 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 Oh, Talk about foreshadowing. Damn that. It's just, we're on the same <laughs> we're wavelength. Awesome. I think that that had to have made what she went through so much harder, though. Like, could you imagine having that information, believing it as absolute truth, which, I mean, we don't know if it's not. And then just having it reinforced And have that happen to you several Mm -hmm. times. Like, good God. No, thank you. No, yeah. On a separate occasion, she um, met a Romani palm reader. That's like a gypsy, basically. And, um... This person did a reading on Leonardo, and it wasn't specified, like, at what point in her life that this happened, but I would assume it was pre-marriage as well, and only because, um, apparently, on her right hand, the reader said that they saw prison, and on the left, a criminal asylum. Again. And so, like, this poor woman, I mean, I guess she's not, like, she's a poor woman at this point, but, like, she had these two separate fortune-telling experiences. Right. And then her life is just, like, reinforcing, like, every single thing. I just feel like there's so much tragedy in her early life. Like, I'm shocked it took, it's taking this long to get to the violent murdering part. (laughs) Especially, like, it was just trauma after trauma after trauma, and, like, literally from the moment she was conceived. And it's just unfortunate that in a lot of these stories, you you see that. Like, it's, I feel like it's a common thread that these people... It's just a shame. It is. Downright dirty shame. <laughs> so, diving back into the story, um, it's 1939 at this point. Wo- World War Two is underway. Mussolini is looking to enter the fight on behalf of Germany, and they had begun recruit, uh, recruiting for the Italian military. So, the reason this is important is because Leonardo's eldest son, Giuseppe, which, love that name, was basically drafted like they didn't call it a draft but yeah. they basically told him hey you're gonna go fight in the war i feel back then it was join us or they'll just shoot you right here right now well i know in the states <laughs> it was called a draft and i just don't know if it would be i'm not the sure same how they did it in italy you know what yeah. i mean like they did a lot of things by force yeah a lot of people did <laughs> <laughs> around that time right um so Giuseppe gets drafted, and she fucking loses it. Like, she just loses her whole mind. What was left of it, I feel, (laughs) at this point. Giuseppe was her favorite child. And this just pushes her over the edge, and she just completely loses all of her marbles. And because in her determination to keep her boy safe, she comes to this conclusion that she must make a human sacrifice. 
That to me is obviously the most logical <laughs> next thought. So my I don't son, think I would go there, but <laughs> I mean, that's what? just me. My son's getting drafted to the Italian army in WW two, and I think it's so obvious that in order to save him, you would make a human sacrifice. Like I get it. I guess though, <laughs> if you believe in like mysticism and like all that sort of stuff, like there is a lot of human sacrifice. Oh yeah, for sure. I I in all reality, I think this was more just kind of like what may have caused a psychotic break right. in this woman. Oh, no, for sure. Like, but I, they did, I don't know that they knew what to call it back no. then. Do you know what I mean? Well, and, like, as as we'll see as we go on, like, she she wasn't frenzied. It wasn't, like, emotional, Not you know. at all, no. Nope. She was calm, cool, and collected. And I don't know if you know this, but making soap requires a recipe. You can't yes. just throw a bunch of stuff in a thing and have it turn out fine. Like, she obviously had enough... She was mindful enough to plan this out. Like, this was premeditated murder in its finest, honestly. So, speaking of the soap recipe, she had a very specific MO. Her victims were clients of hers. As Suze mentioned earlier, she was a fortune teller, and she had this soap business, and people would just come to her for any number of things. Like, hey, I need some soap. Hey, I want a cake. Hey, help me find a husband, maybe. <laughs> or a job. <laughs> so these people would come, and they were clients of hers. They'd come for help. And instead, they would get murdered. Because, of course. Murder, it's murder. <laughs> so to start out, Faustina Setti, she's a middle-aged lady. She really wanted a husband. I don't think she'd been married previous to this, so she was... Yeah. Headed towards spinsterdom. Back then say, it was like basically a, you know. Like, God, like yeah. you, you're not married and you're 30? Like, I can't believe it. What? I'm pretty sure that you're right, though, because I was looking into, like, different sources trying to find what she was, <laughs> what she was frauding. And every single thing said spinster woman. Yeah. Which, well, and honestly, so World War II, um... Back then, they didn't care. They just blew things up. So I feel like any kind of paperwork or, yeah. you know what I mean, marriage certificates or any of that kind of God thing. God only just knows what we What lost. could have happened, yeah. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, you're probably right. So obviously, because she wants a husband, she goes to Leonardo because that's what one does. Um, <laughs> but during this visit, Faustina was informed that there was a suitable partner for her in Pola, Italy, and that she should go there and meet him. That all sounds above board, right? I mean... They I, did do marriages like that yeah. back then, more frequently than now. Like, but... I know that it sounds... It shouldn't sound that off-putting now. We live in the a culture of, like, Tinder and, and you know, hookup to apps. Like, there's so many apps to literally just go get a booty call. I just can't imagine marrying somebody in another city without either talking to them or seeing them. I mean, she's obviously seemed, like, very excited about this prospect. Well, I'm... I'm I don't want to use the term desperate, but I'm going to say desperate I just feel like if you're going to the local fortune teller, you're probably hitting, like, the bottom of your right. list. And you're, you're, like, you're at the All end right. of your rope there. You know, I guess I'll see what, you know, Little Miss Soap Lady can throw together for me, and we'll go from there. Um, so Leonardo told her to tell no one about this plan. and that Red she, flag number one. Right, just for starters. And that she should write letters and postcards ahead of time, like pre-write them, because what? Red flag number two. Right. That's what it seemed like. Like, it, I read it, my brain, like, refused to wrap around it at first. But the way that I interpreted it was that she was having this particular person, like, write letters that would have been sent from Pola 
to throw for Leonardo's perspective to like throw them off the trail. I oh, would I assume. absolutely but, think like, you're right. Could you? What was? This but back w- then there weren't forensic people checking postmarks, and they didn't have weird, crazy postmarks like we do. I feel what it was just think? everybody had one stamp. Like, could you imagine being like Faustina and just no. being like, you know what? This this totally is a good idea. Like, yeah, like this checks out. Like, I'm totally gonna like just go and meet this dude and I'm going to write these letters and that's that makes perfect sense like let me just tell everyone now because I, also it could be maybe as like a goodbye I'm going to wherever to meet this man yeah, you that's know what I mean true. but that's still very off-putting like I mean I'm a very anxious individual just by nature so I feel like if I was in somebody's living room and they're like I'm sending you to this place to meet this guy you're going to marry that you've never met <laughs> I'm going to need you to not tell anyone and also write letters to these people you're not telling your whereabouts to to make sure that they know that you're safe. Yeah, no. It just it doesn't check out for me. <laughs> because the day she was scheduled to leave, she made a stop by Leonardo's to share a celebratory glass of wine, to say goodbye, whatever. He's going to be like, hey, have thanks for the time. husband. Heck yeah. Appreciate you, boo. Sadly. <laughs> Faustina never makes it to Pola or even out of Leonardo's shop because she has been drugged she via drugged the, the wine. wine. How rude. That I don't know. That's She is from Italy. Is this yes. not sacrilegious? Like I think so. Using wine lady? as a weapon seems like you could go to jail just for that. I'm personally offended that she <laughs> drugged the wine. Me too. Don't ruin my wine. Right? Um, so anyways, the wine was drugged, Faustina becomes unconscious, Leonardo gets out her axe. <laughs> she cuts the body into nine parts. She just goes in on these She bodies. also has the forethought to collect all the blood in a basin. Oh, yeah. Why? What? She was she nothing. She had a plan. Yeah, I was going to say, she's nothing mm-hmm. if not prepared. Yeah. That's the thing that really, like, the whole thing about this case, what interests me, because ordinarily... Older cases don't usually hold my interest just because there's not a lot of information. Right. And there's a lot of holes. And my OCD does not appreciate that more often than not. But just the whole how we got from A to B to C to murder is just so outlandish that it's fascinating. It almost seems made up. Like when I first saw this case, I saw it on an episode of Deadly Women. Yes. I love their reenactments. I love that show. I love a good I will watch it day in and day out. But they have behavioral analysts and all these other people that speak to like what could have been going through her head at the time. Like we'll never truly know. Right. It's all speculation at this point. The facts of the case are there because she shared the details of what happened next with the police in an actual official statement. So the report goes a little something like this. This is a direct quote mm. from the report. <clears throat> I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the whole mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick, dark mush. Mm. She was very descriptive. Like, she was, she had zero, like, gave zero ass. There she were no like, fucks to give Let at me this just point. tell you. So, like, I dissolved everything in it, and it came into a thick, dark mush, and I poured it into several buckets and emptied in a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it had coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it, and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs. 
as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all the ingredients together. I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. I so waste not want not I don't know she like, fed her child people cakes so is that because she wanted to do the human sacrifice to save him so oh. he needed a part of the human she was sacrificing you know, into him I genuinely did not even make that connection because when I first read it I was like is she trying to like kill him but she loves him and then I was like oh my god wait I think she's trying to sort of uh, you know what mm-hmm. you're probably right because in, in her head, now keep in mind, her head is obviously like not right. She's psychotic. making soap and cakes out of people parts. <laughs> but, like, in her head, her foremost concern was her son and his well-being. So What I love most about this is she all but gave us the recipe to her cakes and her soap. <laughs> like, she was like, okay, police officer, let me tell you exactly what I did. Seven kilos of caustic soda. Now, that's made to make soap. Like, I just... What? Could you imagine being the police officer, like, sitting there, like, writing down? Because they didn't have, like, computers, like, all that jazz. They're just sitting there, like, okay, I gotta write down blood coagulated. (laughs) (laughs) What goes into a crunchy tea cake? Oh, my gosh. What is a crunchy tea cake? Can you elaborate on that, madam? Like, ugh. Yeah, my my son and I ate them. I loved it. Um... (laughs) To make the situation even more fucked up, to be honest, um, she allegedly received Seti's life savings for her services. So her estate essentially paid Leonardo <laughs> for setting her. her up with this fictitious man in Pola. <laughs> and so at the time it was 30,000, is it Lira or Lyra? I think Lira. That's Lyra. what I, okay, Lira. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm not educated, folks. It's um, Italian money. <laughs> Um, so in today's dollars, as of 2022, that would be um, $2,042.32 in U.S. currency. Um, the 1920 USD equivalent was $30,022.74. So your girl's making out like a bandit. Like, Not only is she selling soap and tea cakes, she's also got $30,000. $30,000? Like... From back, going to having your house destroyed by an earthquake. Back in the 20s or 30s, that would be like being a millionaire. Well, yeah, because I mean, that, you know, depression, the Great Depression, at least here in the States. Like, and I know it wasn't all, you know, sunshine and rainbows in other parts I of the world. I feel like all of Europe between World War One and then after World War Two was just depressed yeah. mostly the whole time because things were just awful. Everybody was fighting for power. Yeah, everywhere. everybody's invading everybody else. Yeah. Like, it was just a lot. Just a constant, like, ew, struggle. <laughs> yeah. So, first human sacrifice down. Oh. Poor lady. Leonardo's second human sacrifice went by the name of Francesca Soave, Soavi. Soavi? Soavi. Like Her name is Francesca. Suave. Francesca. <laughs> I like that name. I like that name a lot, actually. Um, and I like that it's like Frankie for short. Aww. So this woman was also middle-aged, and um, but she was looking for better job options. She doesn't. She didn't necessarily need a man. She wanted to go get her her work on. And good Leonardo, right? I mean, I it's feel bad like for her, but good for her. Good intentions, bad execution. Um, Leonardo promised that she lined up this position for her at a school for girls in um, modern day northern Italy. It didn't specify any place, but 
Well, I feel like back then borders were always just sort of waving around yeah. because people were again, again invading, invading and, and <laughs> staking claims where there were no claims, just doing doing all of the terrible things. Um, Francesca was also asked to write letters, but this time Leonardo had her address them from Corgio. Um, other than that, this follows the same pattern as the last one. Francesca went to Leonardo. They she drinks the drugged wine blasphemy and receives the same treatment as Faustina did uh and this time though she only allegedly received 3,000 lira for her services only I just she's again nothing but if not prepared this woman had a plan and she stuck to it she did not deviate from what turns out to be her mo to be fair again I feel like she's in a psychotic break so Mm -hmm. she's just methodically following the steps again Mm -hmm. and again and again until she gets the result must save just at the must like that's that had to have been the only like must human sacrifice right like (laughs) save my son which yeah Mm -hmm. I mean I get I get I mean I don't get I don't have children I don't want them but like being a mom in the situation that she was in I could see it. Well, and back then, it's not like people were like, your mental health is very important, Leonardo. Let right. us talk. It was like, just like, buck up and deal like, with oh, it, Like, your, your child died? That, that sucks for you. Ten of them, too? It's Ugh. fine. So sorry get, about your luck. Get back to making soaps, lady. Slash babies. <laughs> um, so this brings us to the culminating event. On September 30th, 1940, it's Leonardo's final act. Um, her victim this time is a former soprano star named Virginia Cassiopo. No, uh, sure. It's C A C I O P P O. So do with that what you will. Um, she was looking for a job prospect, and good old Leonardo just had the right thing right up her she's sleeve. She's so for ready. Her. She's got all these contacts. She's like, I got a husband. I got a job. Like, to be fair, I guess she has moved around enough yeah. where she might know people that could help all these women. But it's kind of a shame because she probably really could have had a great life as like an event coordinator, right? <laughs> In modern day now. <laughs> Um, so the position was a secretary for a mysterious impresario. I have no idea what that means. I tried to search for it and I couldn't find I feel, anything solid. So I feel as though an impresario is like uh, either conductor or composer or somebody okay. that's like m- musically gifted. That would make sense seeing as she, she was, was a, a former star. soprano. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, Leonardo did not deviate from what has worked so well. Um, Virginia receives the same treatment and as the other two victims, and Leonardo gives a chilling account of what transpired. This is a direct quote. She ended up in the pot like the other two. <laughs> what? Her flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne, and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I mean, I know I'm putting, like, a joyful tone on it, but dear God, to just say those things about somebody that you axed up and put in a, <laughs> a giant pot and made soap out of? Like, To be what? fair, I, I, too, pictured her saying it with, like, a shitty grin on her face, like, very Joker style. Like, yeah, 
She made good-ass cakes. Because I don't know that she, again, I don't think in her head she was doing anything wrong. She wasn't remorseful. She was just trying to save like, her son. She didn't think she was doing anything wrong. Um, this time, because obviously she was a soprano star, quote-unquote, um, Leonardo received, allegedly, 50,000 lira jewels and public bonds. She also sold off all of Virginia's shoes and clothes because I'm assuming she, you know, said goodbye with the wine, passed out, left all of her cases, her yeah, traveling stuff. Yeah, because they have, like, all their suitcases packed. Like, they're expecting to go, like, they're they're, they're picking up their, their life. life. Yeah, their mm-hmm. whole life. So and that's like, everything you own is in however many And suitcases. this chick probably had, like, some nice some stuff. Money. Am I right? I mean... You're already frauding and murdering. Like, what's theft at this point? Like, why not? It's true. It's she still, hit the trifecta. I just think of other women from the town buying the soap, eating the cakes, wearing the clothes, and I just, ew. <laughs> Could you it's imagine? So, ew. I picture her, like, in this little, like, old-timey shop just going, like, yes, yes. Like, my son is safe now. So I, in the reenactments of Deadly Women, it was just, like, a little corner that looked dark and dusty, but <laughs> very nice clothes on the racks. And in my head, I'm like... Like this sounds that, this that would be it. This is accurate. That checks mm-hmm. out. I'm gonna have to watch this. I fucking love reenactments. Mark makes fun of me sometimes because I'm like, oh, documentaries got bad reenactments. I am guaranteed nope. to um, eat that the, shit. The worst, up. the Italian accent. Give me more. Oh yes. Give me more. My, the period clothing. Bad. Give me more. <laughs> My favorite is when they try to do like southern accents or like Australian accents. Or, like, I can't do accents. I feel as though they're all filmed in Canada, so it's Canadian <laughs> actors trying to be Australian or British or whatever. And they have, like, such a distinct... I don't know, like, what the word I've is. I've been to England. I don't understand some of the English people's English. Yeah. I'm just putting that out there because the dialects are as varied as they are here, and I'm sure it's the same in Italy yeah. and Australia and well, everywhere yeah, else. Well, yeah, because, I mean, like, Sicilians can, like are different than like they they consider themselves like their own thing oh yeah in you know spain I mean? catalan is a different dialect and i don't know that i know spanish yeah i do not know catalan i find not that super interesting like how languages progress and evolve especially when you look back on the history of the world like as we've said everybody's invaded everybody at some point in this world's history Except for us so we just make everything up like pounds and you know what i mean <laughs> and we're the only and... people who don't use the metric system uh-huh, yeah <laughs> we still have daylight savings time why <laughs> at least we drive on the proper side of the road because let me just say terrifying there is an episode of always sunny in the newest season where they go several episodes actually they go to ireland heavy air quotes because I'm pretty sure they just filmed it's it probably, in LA. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's during COVID times. It's fine. Um, but <laughs> Dennis is driving. He He's the driver and he has just given no, up on the horrible, left side of the ride and he he's just driving on the right side of the road and all these like Irish drivers are like pulling off their cars and crashing because they don't want to hit him. And he's like, look, this is perfectly fine. They, they don't want to hit me. So I um have two friends. They spent their honeymoon in Ireland because isn't it romantic? We love Ireland. Woohoo. They rented a car <laughs> and the wife said basically 
while the husband was driving up cliffs that wind up mountains with the ocean right next to you and no guardrails, she was just motherfucking him <laughs> because everything is an automatic transmission. Oh, no. no. So I'm not done. only is he trying to drive on the wrong side of the road and shift with the wrong hand. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. I, nope. Nope. I get stressed out driving in Pittsburgh. Yep. Like, I... Mm, yeah, no. Nope. Like, and it's just fucking Riding Pittsburgh. in a taxi in London gave me the sweats, so... <laughs> I'd be very sweaty by the end of this. Nope. Like, I, I'm anxious. I don't even want to enjoy the mountain. I'm just dreading the drive back home. Right. Oh, man. That's, All right, let's see. All right, anyway, <laughs> we're off topic. We digress. As we do. <laughs> Circling back. Yeah, honestly. So, the death of Virginia seems to be the thread that began... Um, Leonardo's unraveling. See, Virginia had a sister-in-law, and the sister-in-law was quite suspicious of Virginia's sudden disappearance, which makes sense. I mean, this woman seems to be somebody who at one point spent time in the limelight. She seems to have been known, right. quote-unquote, by more than just her family or, you know what I mean, the community. And I think that that speaks to Leonardo's mindset, because the first two women seemed to be innocuous enough in the sense that, like, Nobody seemed to have missed them right off the gate. I didn't, like, it didn't seem like these happened right and right after the other. Again, though, there was a lot of references to spinsters, and I yeah. feel like um, Virginia Virginia did not live her life as a spinster. Obviously, she had nice clothes. She yeah. had nice shoes. She had money. Like, even if she was she single, she would not have been clumped into that category. But she still would have been a little flashier than what you would you know right. what I mean? A dowdy spinster, quote-unquote. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense. So, Virginia's sister-in-law, she wasn't having this. She was like, where's where's this bitch at? And she reported it to the local police, and she told them that she last saw Virginia entering Leonardo's home. Uh-oh. So, she saw it with her own two eyes. This resulted in Leonardo getting arrested. It's a, you know, shoot first, ask questions later situation. <laughs> um... Initially, I feel like that's how they did justice back then. Oh, I'm like, sure. You're guilty. Right. Okay, great. Well, and, you know, in here in the States, we allegedly live by the rule of you're innocent until proven guilty. Right. And, like, I don't, I don't know anything about any other justice system in this world. So I can't even begin to speak to what it was like in Italy in the 1940s. Especially back then, though. Who knows? I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of things were going towards the war effort. Yeah, so exactly. They had to have been like... Everything else went by the wayside, sort of. And who could blame them? I could be wrong, but... Yeah. I, I would like imagine, right. though, that police officers would be one of those things where you're like, you want to pull from them for the war effort, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like, you do, especially under, like, Mussolini's reign, he would, I would imagine, want to still keep, like, a strict... Yes. Hold on the Italian people. He so was not a nice man. It could have... <laughs> that's, that's putting it nicely. <laughs> um, so initially, she gets she gets arrested and she's like, no, 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 I didn't do it. She denies all... She denies everything. Um, she was super adamant that she had not killed anyone. Until... Dun, dun, dun. Giuseppe became a person of oh, interest. No. So the police were like, okay, well, if you didn't do it... We have an eyewitness saying that she came into your house. Must logical thought, which I get it. Like it would be like the next your thought young, is like okay, strapping son who should be going to the war is guilty. 
Like, that's obviously the case. And um, this is what pushed her to give a full and very detailed confession. Which you've heard a couple of her quotes. Like, this woman had nothing to hide. She had no shame whatsoever in her crimes. Because I think, again, in her head, she was doing the right thing for her family and for her son. Um, So in 1946, which you'll notice that gap, (laughs) I'm going to assume they had to wait until after the war. Um, She was tried. She was found guilty because she confessed to all of it. Right. Um, She was sentenced to 30 years in jail, three of those being spent in a criminal asylum, which if you'll remember, remember, folks, her palm reading, both of those branches are now coming true. Yeah. Simultaneously, pretty much. Um, In 1970, this bitch lived till 1970, (laughs) she died at 76 years old on October 15th, 1970, six years shy of her full sentence. That's what, that's what, like, so crazy, I just, like, skipped. (laughs) That's what's so crazy to me about her sentence is that she was six years shy of living the whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, would they have let her go? I'm gonna assume back then they didn't have a lot of mental health advocacy in prisons right well and i would imagine or that asylums. at this point they'd probably be like okay so she she was 76 when she died so, so six she'd months be year, an, taking to her early 80 year old woman. i would imagine that they'd probably be like yeah like go ahead and go you can't even pick up the axe probably I w- <laughs> you're certainly not coagulating <laughs> blood and putting it into cakes oh. so she might have lost her touch while in jail or who knows maybe she was making like Fruit wine in the toilet and I hope so. Drugging it and serving because it to other honestly, inmates. I think what drew me to this case is the fact that this poor woman suffered so greatly. Yeah. That does not excuse the no. suffering she imposed on others, but again, her mental status was clearly not. It makes it makes hundred. It makes you wonder, you know, like you sit here, especially as like myself. I struggle with mental illness, like mental health issues at times, all the time, and. It really makes you wonder, like, what would have happened if she would have gotten help? What would have happened if she didn't have the beliefs that she had and she didn't have those palm readings? Or if any of those babies would have lived? You know, there's so... Every every single human being walking this earth at any point in time has those thoughts, you know, what if, what if. But, like, it really... These kinds of situations really makes one wonder. Like, if she would have had any kind of resource or any kind of support... Would this have been necessary? Well, unfortunately, towards the end of her life, apparently she suffered long-term from cerebral apoplexy. Basically, she had a stroke and had long-lasting effects from that. Um, Just to wrap it up, and then we can discuss more. (laughs) Apparently, in Italy, many of her artifacts from the case, including the pot... Why do I want to see this? I want to see the pot... (laughs) are on display at the Criminological Museum in Rome. Um, Over the years, I feel like some variations on this story have popped up in film and stage, but a lot of people don't know Leonardo and her actual story, I feel. I feel like, as far as true crime goes, we've got our cannibal. There's Dahmer. He's, like, the, the known one that, you know... Everybody, at least in the States, go to, like, oh, cannibalism, Jeffrey Dahmer. But this was, this was a really interesting case. Like, she made fucking soap. And cakes. 
Were you thinking of Fight Club the entire time? <laughs> like, as I'm writing it, like, I I talk out loud to myself a lot when I'm trying to, like, do literally anything. Um, but especially when I'm writing this, I'm trying to, like, have things be conversationally toned so we are able to kind of veer off easily. But the entire time, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. Like, <laughs> I just couldn't stop picturing, like, Brad Pitt burning, you know, the dude's hand and the the whole thing, the, the fat scene. His like, name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> That's the one that gets me. R.I.P. Meatloaf. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah, like we said before, if Leonardo would have had even an ounce of help from anybody, this might not have happened. I feel like we're lucky she got caught. Yes. After three, because she literally had it down to a science. Yeah. She had the axe, the pot, she drained the blood, she cut the bodies up there was into no, nine pieces. There was, I mean, forensically speaking, there was nothing really tying her. And, and I feel as though I read in my research that she actually led the police because they were like, this tiny little old lady there's no way she's hacking people up with an axe and she, she was like if you look up a picture of her she looks like and sophia from but like like very she has lived fierce. a very hard life like you can none of this is surprising when i look at the image of leonardo she she's terrified investigators looking. through how she did it she picked oh. up the axe in front of Get them out of town in the back room and was like well i just did this and then this and then this and then that just like she was <laughs> saying this is how i make a tea cake all i'm picturing are like old-timey like scottish yard looking detectives <laughs> like uh -huh. standing there watching this feeble old woman like throw an axe around I like mean, watch me hatch this right body she was probably what in her 40s by this point yeah. 40s or 50s but i mean 40s but... having children in a healthy non-complicated way does a number on your body let alone having 17, 17 separate pregnancies probably not a good way i mean oh, i can't even no thank you pregnancy scares me i'm not saying that anything that she did was right correct no but we do not support murders ever here but this poor lady obviously had a lot of factors working against her it's just sad to help. see it's mm -hmm. sad for the victims 100,000 percent and again we've mentioned before like the victim should always be the number one aspect of any story told but well I feel as though if this would have continued into the Second World War, into the actual, like, thick of it, because, you know, Italy was pretty involved in yeah. it being, From like, the there. Beginning. Um, I feel as though she would have gotten away with it. Do you know oh, what I mean? Probably. If she wouldn't have been caught on this third one, she would have just repeated this well, pattern. Well, and literally the only reason she got caught is because Virginia's sister-in-law was like, I'm suspicious. Right. I I'm am suspicious. suspicious. I am suspicious. That's a new one. <laughs> yep. I like that. Make it on a t-shirt. <laughs> but yeah, long story short, none of this should have happened. This poor lady just lived a hell of a life. Yeah. And that's the soap lady. What do they call her? The soap maker of Corgio mm -hmm. is um, like a moniker that she had gained before the murders happened. I actually will always refer to her as the soap lady because yes, it's one of my favorite cases. Yeah, it was really interesting. So thank you for suggesting this one because it was fun. Oh yeah, and I hope you enjoyed the beverages, everyone. So good. I think we hit it out of the park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. 
this is our third episode, and hopefully there's some humans out there listening to us hello ramble on about there. things. And if you are, <laughs> hey, hi, hello, thank hello. you. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, as Sue's mentioned, we're, you know, having all the social medias. Like, please, 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 like, reach out to us. Give us feedback. Tell us that you love us. If you hate us, be nice about it. But, you know, constructive criticism yes, is good. Um, but I'm really enjoying this. Susan and I are having a really good time trying to come up with this stuff. And it's been really nice to have something positive to, like, for true crime. Like, something that's not COVID mm-hmm. right now. COVID-related, yep, politically-related. It's really nice to have something to focus on. And we'd... Really like to keep doing this, so if any of you are out there listening, like, come say hi, let us know, like, interact with us, please, please. Hit us up. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye, guys.